Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast coming up on this episode. Peak Zwift proof our little cycling game just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Coco is dead. Long live Cara. Now this is a strange tale. Flounce or wake-up call? The dramatic departure of a long-standing event organiser has certainly concentrated minds. And Zwift Power. What's going on? I talked to one half of the ZPOG to try to peer behind the curtain as the service stumbles over the holidays. Well, welcome one and all to a new year. Right now it's feeling a bit like the old year, but hope springs eternal in the human breast and we Zwifters are nothing if not hopeful. And I'm sure my fellow Zwiftcasters start 2021 in hopeful mood. Shane, g'day, mate. G'day, how are we doing? Not too bad. I mean, my hope is that I hope one day quite soon to get out on my bike in the sunshine. Seems a long way away at the moment, but it Upside down land, uh, no difficulties in that department, I don't think. Absolutely not. Lots of sunshine, lots of rides, and watching the rest of the world implode from many, many thousands of kilometres away here on the great southern land. Hmm. You're, in a, you're in a good place for that. You're in a good place. <laughs> uh, and Nathan, as uh, your dude, as a learned man of letters, you will, of course, have instantly recognised that Hope Springs Eternal quote as stemming from that fine work, An Essay on Man by Alexander Pope a work which I trust you can recite from memory from start to finish. From start to finish, and I'm not sure about that, but I don't know if I do agree, though, either on huh, whatever is is right. Not too sure about that, and I have some dis- probably some discussion in cast on that, but I guess I'm a person who... I think that's a tongue-in-cheek statement anyways, but uh, always hope here, I guess, in this human's breast. So well, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, did, I did chase down that, that poem for anybody interested in philosophy. Quite an interesting read, actually. Anyway, let's get on. That's enough philosophizing. We have matters of virtual cycling to discuss. And it's a busy episode. We have drama amongst event organisers. We have new peak Zwift. We have important new hires at HQ. We have the latest chapter in the bumpy passage of Zwift Power Switch from community to company and breaking news they might have found the bug that has blighted some big events for some riders after some considerable time but before any of that you must indulge me yet again in my continuing and verging on the unhealthy obsession with Coco Cadence uh, and now you could color me very surprised when I showed up for a little pedal in the desert with my favorite bot only to find that Coco has undergone an identity change No longer does she share a name with a legendary French fashion designer. No, she is now Cara. Coco is dead. Long live Cara. A name shared with variously an island off the west coast of Scotland, a mountain in Antarctica, and a village in Croatia. Now, I know some other eagle-eyed Zwifters have noticed this identity shift, but are you amongst their number, Shane? Did Did you notice this? 
Oh, look, Coco, Cara, Potato, Potato. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> and no, I didn't actually. I've just seen the little quips that come from C cadence now, not uh, Coco cadence. Yeah. And uh, I think they've tried to make her a little Aussie, but we're, we're missing the four little words that Aussies usually use. They're quite polite <laughs> little British Aussieisms, I think they're coming. I don't know, I'm, I'm just missing those four letter words. So hopefully, um, Cara or C cadence, whoever that is, can be a little more Aussie very soon. <laughs> well, I, I don't know what Cara is, but but she's she certainly lost that French tinge that Coco suggested. And Nathan, did this cause a blip on your Swift radar? Have you noticed this? Of course, you would never soil your hands with Sierra. I don't know. Yeah, I, actually, no, I hadn't noticed at all. I, well, I guess I did notice just the C. And no, I did now that Shane mentioned it that um, I don't see the name quite as much, but uh, I have changed up where I'm riding. I used to ride on Fuego Flats a lot. Now with the new courses, I've kind of uh, been exploring those a little bit more. I'm on the beach island a little bit more. Maybe I just want warmer weather. <laughs> like I just see the word beach and instantly click. So uh, no, I haven't. I actually has not been on my radar at all. Oh, well, well, it's true, I can assure you. Uh, but there was no announcement from Swift, or if there was, I missed it. Um, so uh, g given my obsession with Coco, I had to do a bit of digging. You are dealing with a trained journalist here, Swifters, and I smelled a story. Uh, first off, obviously, Google. Now, I know my Google is not the same as everybody else's Google, and I do read quite a lot of books, so perhaps that skewed the results. But high up in my results when I typed in Coco Cadence was Coco Cadence writer. A uh, little clickery followed. Oh, my, oh, my. I almost wished I hadn't. <laughs> uh, Shane, given my feelings for Coco the Cadence bot, um, stated often here on the Swiftcast, I find myself unable to read out aloud the synopsis of Coco Cadence the writer's most popular work. Um, so perhaps you could help me out. Look, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you want this in a sassy voice? Uh, you, you, can, you can do sleazy uh, voice if you uh, want. I'll see, I'll see what I can do. Double Trouble is a short smoking MFM menage story about a sassy girl and two boys who know what they want and take it. Lots of swearing, dirty talk with a sweet happily ever after. Be prepared. You're going to need a fan to cool yourself off. Fan? A fan? Good God, you'd need a dozen Wahoo headwinds at full chat. Uh, shocked, I almost swooned. I mean, I, I, I know she's a blue bot, but really. Perhaps it was an aberration. I, I clicked further and it got worse. Uh, Nathan, come to my assistance. Oh, gosh. Okay. Oh. As a, a caveat, um, there's uh, talking philosophy. I would be much happier with the world if these things were not in the human heart to want to sell in the public market. But <laughs> so we, we hear you. We hear you. <laughs> and maybe that has everything to do with why Coco Keynes has been removed from Zwift. So that makes me happy. Bad Boy Billionaire Part One. Do I need to do this in a Zwift Community Live voice with some almost exciting, exciting commentary? Absolutely. One night. I, 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 I gave my oh my goodness body 
you to the charming and enigmatic self-proclaimed bad boy billionaire Adrian King. What a name, Adrian King. Oh my gosh. A prolific artist by day, a dominant lover by night. His riches go beyond money, beyond power. This is horrible. <laughs> oh my God. Passion is the playground and I am willing, his willing pawn. I thought I could resist. I was wrong. I app now that is the end of the snippet. I absolutely can resist and I need to go find a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> that lack of the Nathan excitement we're used to. Come on. <laughs> I, I, I think listeners have got this. The gist as to the particular oeuvre in which uh, Coco Cadence writes. I mean, Coco, wash your mouth out. Unbecoming is not even close. Uh, no wonder HQ decided a Croatian village or an Antarctic mountain was a better choice for a pay spot name. Uh, now, it has to be said, I mean, this is, as usual on the Swift wild speculation. I don't know if this is why Coco had to become Cara but I'm pretty certain that the Pulitzer Prize judges would agree with me as they hand over their award for investigative journalism. <laughs> but it's a fair bet he's got something to do with it. Uh, Shane, this is too funny. <laughs> it would have been an awkward one in the office at Zwift when someone goes, did anybody actually Google that name? Hey, check this out. And the link would have been sent around. There would have been a lot of, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a mistake. Anyone could, who would have thought Coco Cadence, the blue bot, was had a different identity? Uh, the thing is, Nathan, she will forever be Coco. I mean, I just, you know, I can't see Cara catching on. Uh, too late, surely. Well, thanks to you, Simon. <laughs> just make sure everyone shares specifically episode 91 etch that into the uh history of all zwift coco will forever be in the hot mugs that's for sure <laughs> oh my goodness all i think of is hot cocoa from now on so that'll be yeah. fine with me uh, yeah, well, that, that's the story, Zwickas listeners. Uh, I, I hope you've enjoyed discovering it just as much as I did. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's move on. I'll try to get over it, but she will always be Coco to me. Right on! Well, second Tuesday in January is our traditional data point for this vital annual measure of concurrent users on the platform. Last year it was different, but last year was 2020. So allow me, dear listeners, to remind you of our various estimates for 2021 peak Zwift. You can already hear the silence from my fellow Zwiftcasters. I wonder why. Mr. Lowball Shane lowballed it at 36,666 I went for a nice, easy to remember, 50,000. And hope sprang eternal in Nathan's breast when he went for a big 54,690. So who got it? Um, well, for the second year running, I'm claiming the prize. I won again. Uh, I'm tempted to play in that ABBA tune. Uh, I'm certainly not going to sing it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, victory is mine again. We've no official confirmation from Zwift, but the biggest number screenshotted and verified by the estimable Zwift Insider was 46,375. So on a nearest the pin basis, that means I win. Did, 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 I, did I mention that already? Uh, now, that's up from the COVID peak in March of around 35,000. And um, a year-on-year -year comparison, this is interesting. So January 2020 versus January 2021, it's just huge. This time last year, 16,000. I mean, that just looks like chicken feed now. 16,000 this time last year. 
This January, 43,000 or, or thereabouts in round numbers. Uh, Zwift is winning new subscribers and Zwift is keeping new subscribers. No matter how much we have our little gripes and even big gripes with some of what they do or what they don't do, Shane, this is looking like one very, very, very successful business. Bigger than Bitcoin. Yeah, it's um, that growth is absolutely, um, what would you call it, um, unforecastable. It, it's, yeah. You couldn't do that. And I think training companies are still scrambling to get the manufacturing um, uh, up to the, meet the demands. Those numbers are absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's all, I think, I mean, as you said, it's the second week in January, which is always peak swift. That's these, um, you know, let's hope the new the new year is going to provide us with a new fresh start. And everybody starts doing fitness things. Hasn't really been the case, but people are doing fitness things. So that, that's a good thing. Um, yeah, throw in a few more lockdowns around the world and that is just going up and up and up. So while it's a bit of doomsdaying with, you know, the coronavirus still taking hold, we still have cycling to turn to and the service is still up and running most of the time. So it's all good. It's all good news. Yeah. I mean, if anybody uh, sensible, I think I'd stopped last January and said, well, we just hit 16,000 next January, then we will hit 43,000. They might have been taken away and measured up for a straitjacket. But uh, of course, nobody saw COVID coming. But e even without COVID, uh, you know, Zwift is on a huge, huge upward curve. And when you just look at those numbers, Nathan, and probably more important, the type of new customer a little less experience, needing a little more support, you can actually begin to understand why the company has had to focus on the noobs, um, arguably to the detriment and mild annoyance of the veterans. But you, you can, when you know those stark numbers, you can now kind of see why things have had to be as they were uh, for the past few weeks. Yeah, I think the preparation for this kind of growth wasn't there, especially with the mm. handling of newer individuals. And then the reality of taking people who are supposed to be working maybe on something that is a little more higher up and pushing them into customer service or, you know, like things that are about onboarding that just didn't maybe have the breadth to do so. Um, the other thing though, is the two bird, you know, two birds, one stone thing is like, we are running out of space. I do see a lot of chatter about there just isn't space. Like people are like, it's just a conga line. So um, there's that reality where people, there could be a little bit of, um, even for the noobs who are coming in like, whoa, there's literally people. I can't see the road. Everywhere. Some people are yeah. Saying. Yeah. yeah, everywhere. So yeah. there is that. And also the, there is questions that pop into my head of like, we really don't need people who are trying to scope the product out to a high, at a higher level, working on, you know, lower level mm. um, customer service type noob, like you're saying, onboarding type things. And so I would think that those, maybe those jobs aren't really quickly onboarded though, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to suspend belief a little bit and not because there's a part of me that goes really like, CS really takes that much resource and why are yeah, we putting yeah, higher yeah, up individuals yeah. on that kind of resource, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, we don't know. I mean, we're being very broad brush and, say, and saying, you know, lots of people have been perhaps moved from one job to another job to cope with the, the flood of, of new subscribers. We have no idea whether or not that's true. But I guess, Shane, that if any company had to pick a problem, 
picking the problem that is we don't quite know how we're going to deal successfully with all these gazillions of new companies uh, of new customers that's kind of the sort of problem that you might want to choose it's a nice one to have and uh, speaking of seeing the newbies that little grouping of uh, newbie riders on watopia just before the start finish line that's growing every single day. I was out there this afternoon and I dropped by the newbies. And if you do a little U-turn, your little avatar will sort of slowly scoot off to the side and you can uh, you can see new Zwifters being born. I've talked about this a little bit on the live stream. It's kind of funny watching them roll out, knowing that we've all done, what, 40,000, 50,000 kilometres. I'm like, there's the first few metres of somebody who might go off and do. It's pretty cool to watch, actually. It's like yeah. a little bird yeah. leaving the nest. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, no, no, I mean, it's just, you know. I'm going to do this now. Like this is a thing where we can like have commentary even and like talk to them. You could even like sit there and like try and get their attention and like, and, like have these like You could become the onboarding person who's there hanging out. Like, oh, hey, did you know that? Yeah, is there anything I, I bet you people are going to do this now because you've got some really motivated people out there like looking to do things and be the know-it-all, you know? Onboarding like, buddy. <laughs> An onboarding buddy. Yeah. That's what everyone needs. That, yeah. well, you know, More it, jobs for the community. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not the worst idea I've ever heard. Hey, Simon, do you need an onboarding buddy for getting the Tron bike? Because I know a few people. Oh, hang hey, on. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait I a mean, minute. 16, of winning, 16 winning. minutes. 16 <laughs> minutes. I, actually, I should have made, as a condition of, me, of my glorious consecutive victory, that, you know, I should have put in the rules, if I win, there is no further mention of the Tron bike. Now, unfortunately, even I don't feel that I can retrospectively bend the rules quite that much. <laughs> but, yeah, I might register. No, I might. <laughs> oh. The fashion police, the fashion police, I don't know if you've seen them on the uh, new ZCL talent with Kate and Anna. I think they'd be very happy with you. There's plenty of posts going around for the fashion police, so... Oh really? Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, all over that one. My my registration for the Tron bike may 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 be under consideration. I'm going no further than that. Oh, big news! <laughs> Might show you two up. Anyway, the <laughs> uh, Peak Swift. You know we 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 have our grouses, don't we? We do have our grouses. But but looking back to where we are now from where we were then. You know, a lonely ride around Jarvis Island. Uh, this company has come a long way. And and to be honest, I think all of us, despite the fact that we do sometimes occasionally have critical things to say, we're still fanboys, you know? We like Swift and we want Swift to be successful and we believe in their mission, which is to get, you know, more people more active more often. So to see that number, for me, actually, I, I was very, very, very pleased to see it. And uh, I'm sure you two will 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 generally agree with that broad point, Jane. Yep, absolutely. It's good to see. But it's all, um, what do they call it? The uh, rising tide lifts all ships. All the other platforms are doing very, very well as well. So good to see. Yep, yep. Okay, excellent. Well done, Swift. And uh, a lovely big new number. Congratulations to all involved. Right on. Okay, moving on. Well, I like the word flounce. Um, especially when it's attached to departures on social media. It's a marvellous word, if a little pejorative. 
So, do we call a long-standing and respected event organiser's departure from Swift a flounce? Well, that's perhaps for listeners to decide, and to help you do so, I spoke to the man who departed slash flounced. Uh, welcome to the Zwiftcast to Robert Baldy. Hey, Rob, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Rob Baldy, you may know him better as Roberto Massimo Baldi, is or was one of the most long-standing and pioneering event organisers on Zwift. His hare and hounds format, a handicapped cat and mouse style chase race, and his Clydesdale series for heavier riders, along with age group events for Masters, won him and co-organiser Chris O'Hearn a big following. And the events were wildly popular, offering an alternative to the must-start thrash fest from the off style of racing. Most of the racing formats that you see now kind of came from that sort of around about the autumn of 2015. So you've been with Zwift for many years, you pioneered innovative race formats. I think it's I think it's accurate to say you've never been paid a penny by Zwift. And you've put many, many, many hours, hundreds, probably thousands of hours into what you've done. Is is any of that incorrect, Rob? Uh, no, I wouldn't know about thousands, but certainly hundreds. So Rob's decision to quit the Zwift platform as an event organiser a few days ago was not without drama. I wondered what lay behind the decision, and Rob explained that it had been building up since March of last year, when two things happened. One was the pandemic. The second was the departure of a Zwift employee who'd previously been the main event scheduler and point of contact for event organisers. Since that point, then events started disappearing. We were getting pretty much silence from Zwift and not just myself, it's other organisers as well, which can be understandable, you know, trying to find a replacement at a time when everybody's self-isolating. It improved a little bit during the summer. Um, I was getting some communications, events were being scheduled. Then we went to an event management function where we had limited management of our own events. Around about this time, I started to get a series of private messages from other event organisers saying that while some automation of scheduling and control over it by organisers was welcome, the system itself was laborious and repetitive. I think your point is that it was not especially well implemented and then when you and other event organizers pointed this out your feedback was ignored again am i overstating the case there um i wouldn't say ignored um but obviously nothing seemed to come of it so it's acknowledged and they said thank you very much for the feedback um and this was at the time when the functionality had just been rolled out and it was still in beta so they're saying you know it's still in beta at the moment um see how what you think of it I used it for about five minutes, wrote down 10 points where this needs to be improved in order to make it manageable. Then I heard nothing. And then the next thing I find out is it's been rolled out permanently. Rob's beef was that the new system forced event organisers to make a series of minor manual changes to their events and groups of riders and courses, a process which he and other organisers believed could be easily automated. So my, one of my suggestions was that if they just could do that for the whole event rather than every single little subgroup, that would already slash the, the workload by 75 or 80%. And there are, um, I can think of at least four or five other organisers um, that feel this way that I've spoken to as well. Um, one of them, for example, also suggested saying, well, instead of us having to change the course manually every time, 
can we specify a certain number of courses? This, this is what we want the events to be. Let's say a dozen of them uh, to run a league, for example. And then it automatically goes through that list one by one and it changes every week. That would basically take out all of our work by about 95%. To the person who knows nothing, it wouldn't appear to be that difficult. Maybe it is, but, you know, it doesn't, wouldn't, wouldn't appear so. Anyway, after, <laughs> I, I think we, we, we get a sense of the kind of frustrations you were feeling, but it, it's come to a head and you've decided that, that that's it. You, you, you can do no more. What, what Was there a straw that broke the camel's back, Rob, or, or is it cumulative? Um, it's cumulative to a certain extent. I was willing to put up with a lot because obviously with COVID, you know, I'm okay because I'm, well, I say, okay, I'm in lockdown, you know, I've, I can't work because all the gyms are closed, so I can't do any coaching. But the, the, what was happening was that in order for me to change the courses every week, I would have to put in three to four hours of work a week just to change the course of each event in each subcategory every time. I timed it. Um, it took me about that long. And then I said, no, I can't do this. It's just way too much. It's unnecessary as well. And that's the worst part. Um, the, the real um, thing that the, the broke it really was just the fact of the, the, again, the anodyne responses that I was getting when I listed out the sort of 15 things, I think, that, that needed to be done to really improve Zwift. And again, a usual, yes, thank you very much for your feedback. We're working on it. No, no details whatsoever. And I think really the, the breaking point was, as I said, if I don't see anything changing, no movement whatsoever by the end of the year, then that's a good a time as any to start from, from scratch, really, from just saying, okay, I just won't run anything at all. Then, amidst the general and widespread wailing and gnashing of teeth from Zwifters who were genuinely going to miss Rob's events... Something of a surprise. It turns out Zwift had made a fairly major hire in this area. Mark Coates joined the company in November with a specific brief to sort this out and make event organisation easier and slicker and make event organisers' lives, therefore, a little easier. He's now talking actively to Rob and he says he is addressing this and other event organisers' concerns. You've sent a, a, a very detailed document with a whole list of constructive suggestions. Do you do you feel it will be it will be looked at now, Rob? And and do you feel perhaps more important than just looked at? Do you feel it will be acted upon? It's definitely been looked at. Um, Mark Cote emailed me yesterday, with um, obviously the time differences, uh, saying that he's been passing it around to the product leading team. Um, so obviously they're looking at it. In terms of implementation, it depends. I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm hoping they will for the sake of other organizers because the frustration is there. Um, I'm, I'm hearing it. I'm communicating with others. There are others that already are starting to look elsewhere. Uh, let's conclude, Rob, but by just getting your feelings towards the platform. I mean, you've, you've had a long history with it. You've put an awful lot into it, and I think you feel understandably based on the content of this conversation that the the, the 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 relationship has perhaps not been as reciprocal as as it might have been but you 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 actually still remain a fanboy don't you of of swift and what swift's trying to achieve um yes yes i mean i i remember seeing 
Jens Voigt tweeting about Zwift in 2014 saying, this is a brand new thing. And he showed a video of what it was. And from then, that was it. I was hooked. But one thing is as a rider, then as an organizer, it's a different issue. If as an organizer, I have to spend hours and hours every single week to put on events for other people as a volunteer where I don't get paid for it, then I could turn around and say, well, no, especially when I know it's unnecessary. And that's the hard part. I know it's unnecessary. There's no reason for it. It can be done differently, very easy, little tiny tweaks that would save so much work. And then it wouldn't be so bad. But if Zwift are not careful and others improve quickly, they may find that people start leeching over to other platforms. Interesting point, Rob. Uh, very well made, in fact, as well. Um, well, look, I'm, go- I'm going to conclude it here. A, b- a very interesting conversation. Uh, it would be wrong to let you go without thanking you, actually, for everything that you've done um, for the platform and for individual riders. Uh, I raced when I was in anything like race shape. I raced <laughs> I raced uh, your Hare and Hounds events, which were absolutely terrific. I know that the Masters events that you've done with, with, uh, with, with Chris O'Hearn have been fantastically well received. And um, you will be a big loss to the platform. But in, in, in going, I think you have made some really, really important points. And let's hope some real uh, positive changes come about as, uh, as a result of that. Thanks very much, Rob. Yeah, I hope so too. And um, I mean, I won't say I will be back, but I may be back. So not quite Arnie, but we'll see what this was this next move is, but um, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not turning around and just saying that's it. I you know I hate Zwift from now on, type of uh, cut off. Um, I'm just in a position where I don't want to organise the events at the moment. But who knows? A couple of months down the line, I might come back again. Okay, well, this actually is a moving story. Rob and uh, this new hire at Zwift, Mark Coates, are talking, and Rob has told his followers in the ZHR group that real progress looks like it's being made. We'll watch that one with interest. And, in fact, Mark has promised to come on to the Zwiftcast to tell tell us of his plans for making life easier for event organisers and, therefore, providing a better experience for all Zwifters, or at least all of those who, who do events. Um, I hear HQ considers Mark to be an extremely important hire, so perhaps things will change. And we look forward to welcoming Mark onto the pod to tell us what he's got planned. But back to Rob's departure. Um, Was it a flounce or was it an overdue gesture which has finally made a few people at Zwift wake up? So, Shane, flounce or devastating valedictory statement on exit that's woken people up? Ah, look, I get it. You can be really good at something, but if it's not acknowledged or not rewarded in ways you'd like, it's definitely going to cause frustration. And uh, yeah, progress is usually about moving things forwards and fixing problems and processes and doing more and doing better. And it seems that uh, that's taken a few steps backwards in regards to events lately, causing that frustration. So I won't label this anything, but it's good that the problem has been acknowledged by HQ and they're moving forward on it. So yeah, again, as you said, it's a moving story and let's hopefully it's a good one that works out. Yeah, I mean, something good may come out of something that some people may see as bad. I think, you know, I think I think that's, that's definitely um, possible, hopefully the case here. Um, Nathan, I know both Shane and I have thought this for a very long time, and we've said it before on the pod. Event organisers are valuable. Uh, they create content, they attract followers, they enhance the Zwift experience. And quite honestly... You know, as we've said before, but we we will return to it again, they just should be paid. 
they should be paid by Swift. You know, they do a job. And and they are creating something and they are enhancing the experience. Yet the entire thing is voluntary. They should be paid. Do you agree? Um two things. Whew. Right? Uh, create a wing and pay people in that wing, it's a little late for that, in my opinion. That should have been early on. And like Zwift not being made for events up front, even getting event mode was like this longer thing that was pressed in by the community really hard. Um, racing even as a thing and being you know supported and even being a thing that's part of the product. I mean, that's still in infancy, like with the reality of Zwift power just coming. So I think freedom is probably a better solution and just allow those individuals out there to be the best at what they do within special rights that they're given to be event organizers and go out there and make their own money rather than Zwift paying them. I think that that is a much more successful thing that we've seen in the esports world anyways. Um, that well, I, 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 yeah, I kind of agree with that, but... But not everyone is a digital entrepreneur. You know, some people just like leading a bunch of people around a virtual island. And then there's not enough passion to do it. And no. Mm. Mm. If you want, like, like I think that if you really want to go for it, then this kind of thing should be a life work goal. Like, and if it wants to just be a group ride slash race that's kind of fun, then that you want to do in some free time, then yeah, that's fine. But it's then it's not worth the freedom and the rights to go and do that and get paid by Zwift. I would say that like, and that's, and that's my opinion on that. Is that like, yeah, go for it. Let's see how motivated you are and make it awesome. Because Also because there's a certain amount of reward then that comes with being successful at what you're, you're aiming at to create the best experience in racing, the best experience in this, best experience in this. And that competitive environment also helps to refine that. So um, I think that that's, and I've been saying this, and also this is coming from me in the racing community where like, I would like to see a lot of tools in the racing community event organizers hands to do the policing sometimes to do this, to do different kinds of things that would make them the better events if they had the freedom to do so. And then the best events would rise to the top in participation. That's exactly what we've seen with WTRL. It's so successful. The Zwift Racing League is so successful because of it. And I think we could have something very similar to that with all the other event organizers. It's a decent point. It's a decent point. Shane, I think Nathan's saying they're all or nothing. You know, if you're going to be a ride leader, make a career out of it, make some money out of it, and it's all down to you. I mean, I tend to think... A little bit differently because what these guys and girls are doing is they're creating a following, okay? I mean, something like the herd or these really, really big rides, big groups, lots of loyalty, lots of kind of uh, in-house banter. Uh, they've got their own culture. That You know, there's a real following there. So say, you know, uh, uh, they decide – well, I'd be fed up as Zwift. I don't think they're doing enough for us. I'm going to go somewhere else, and I'm going to take my followers with me. So they they, they have value. And if you were Zwift, would you not want to tie that value to your platform? I would want to provide them value to allow them to do what they do a lot better. And I'm hinting towards clubs. 
That would be mm. very, very handy. Give them the autonomy to do everything they need to do, run events, run tours, run time trials, run a club. And then from that, you establish a, a membership base, you establish your own little Facebook group or your own chat group, make your own kit, have a sense of identity, sense of your own little community. Zwift is big enough now. We're seeing the 47,000 people, 46,000 people online. You're not going to randomly ride past someone and say, hey, do you want to jump on my wheel? Because I'm, we're riding here together. There's not many other people around like we did on Jarvis. When there were six others, you'd have instant friend so there's little islands of community so Zwift needs to empower these people to build their own communities and have the tools to do that I know that's an ultimate goal they're having with with the club's functionality I just I would have loved to have seen that 12 months ago or back in March when the you know, the corona lockdown really put things through the roof um, so supporting them with the tools would probably be the best way um, and then from there people could then as a coach you monetize your coaching service and then you invite people along to your own events maybe you have it paid for events but leave that in the control Control of the event organizer, not Swift. You yeah. know, you pay your Swift subscription to get on. You build it, they will come, and then away you go. Hmm. Well, I guess that's what happens if you ask two digital entrepreneurs for an opinion on, <laughs> <laughs> on, on that. You see, I'd rather have it just just a bit more simple. I'd rather think, okay, uh, I'm Swift. I'm just going to you know shower you in tenors um, once every so often uh, to make sure that you stay sweet and that. Um, you keep all your followers on my platform. But, you know, it's always good to get a variety of opinion. I'm very interested to hear what you two think about that. Um, Mark Coates is not the only big new hire at Zwift. Um, the company is about to announce, and I'm kind of picking my words here because I'm waiting for a press release which has not yet shown up. But we do know that they're about to make a huge announcement in the in the product arena. Uh, the title I've heard bandied around is Chief Product Officer. And as the announcement's not been made as we record, I should probably say no more at this time. And if the announcement does come kind of annoyingly an hour after we publish, I'll put it up on um, Zwickast listeners. But this is a big, big, big new appointment coming up right at the top of the company in the product area, which basically translates to, to game. Um, we will follow up on that. He has been invited, or she, uh, I don't actually know the identity of this person. They have been invited onto the Zwickast, and um, uh, noises have been made that one's feet have been placed under tables. That may be possible, so that's going to be really interesting. And Mark is, is, is clearly a significant appointment as well, Mark Coates. He, um, he's making all the right noises about... Uh, making events run more smoothly. So that's that's really interesting. And it's hard not to see that these two appointments are not linked to the departure of former senior games dude, Jordan Rapp, a topic we discussed last episode. Now, before Jordan left, he talked about his time on Zwift, on the Zwift in-house try podcast, which Jordan used to co-host. It was quite interesting, actually. Here's the key bits. Jordan's departure from Zwift to Respawn, a big LA-based games company, allowed him to reflect a little on what Zwift has become and the associated growing pains. Yeah, I mean, I think Zwift is certainly going through its own challenges, uh, like on a technical side, right? Like, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, I don't think the company necessarily expected to be what it turned into, right? Like, I think the, you know, like it was this crazy idea of like, oh, imagine if someday we might host the Tour de France, right? And I think there's a, a lot around that from like a tech standpoint that is like, whoa, okay, right? And so I think there is a lot of exciting, you know, engineering work to be done at Zwift. There's a lot technically, right? Like this was, Zwift was really started out its life as as a kind of a way to make 
training indoors more interesting, right? And I think it's now become so much more than that, right? It's become, yes, a great training platform, but also a great racing platform and also a great sort of community social hub and all of that kind of stuff. Like events were not something that was sort of like part of how Zwift was built. And you can see like they become a huge part and right. It's a, a lot of what I did was how to actually improve that. Um, there still is, you know, a lot of work that we prototyped uh, that I think will, I'm hopeful will come out kind of over the next year, two years. Um, you know, some of which uh, Eric has talked about uh, in interviews. And yeah, I think, you know, there is a lot of, there's even more that we have planned to do and, you know, hope to do. And I'm hopeful that that comes to fruition. Jordan was asked what he was most pleased to have achieved during his time at Zwift. I would say for sure, everything around performance verification. Zwift, I think, is arguably one of, if not the most credible esports. I think it is it is a very credible cycling discipline, right? especially with what you know has been done in a purely remote environment, right? Where it's like, you know, where everybody's kind of racing on their own. A lot of the the process around being able to trust the results, I think, is really, really good. And that, you know, that's very different from when I first started. Like when I first started, right, you know, you had plenty of guys that were sort of like, you know, random masters in their basements were turning out to have been, you know, by like an order of magnitude, the strongest cyclist to have ever ridden a bike. And you just don't have that anymore. Intriguingly, Jordan was able to share his idea for a new power up. I sort of had this idea along with the ghost, right? Of like, I think a lot of it was in, they were, the ghost uh, was inspired in this one as well by the, the, a lot of the talk around whether or not race radios have ruined pro racing in cycling. So the idea was like, I think we called it radio silence. Uh, and so the idea was that like, if you had this, the riders nearby list basically would break for the duration of the power-up. So you actually had to like watch the avatars on screen. Like that was your only source of information. You know, a little bit like some of this idea around like the power of information, like if anyone has done any of the sights and sound events or now I guess they call them like HUDless races, there's races. And so like I built, you could just turn off all of the visual elements, right? Like you can't see your power, you can't see. And I think, you know, so it could be something like that, even where it's like not just the riders nearby, but like all data gets broken for however long, like including like your wattage. And finally, Jordan's thoughts on the innovation that had made the biggest difference to Zwift during his time there. He singled out steering. Like I, I have a Elite Sturzo and uh, like have ridden around and like, yeah, like it really does change uh, racing. It changes riding. Um, I think it's interesting to see, right, like that uh, it makes a bigger difference than you might think. And, of, and the interesting thing, of course, is that bike handling and Zwift means something very different, right? Like you can box people out, like because of how like collision mechanics like do work, but then you can still ride through people. So it's very different, right? Like, you know, in terms of what it enables tactically. Ride on. Interesting stuff, that actually all of it. Technical challenges was the um, possibly euphemistic phrase that, that Jordan used to describe what I think may also be described as kind of constant firefighting within Zwift at the moment. But anyway, we'll get to that in a moment with Shane. First, Nathan, um, that's a cool idea for a power up. Um, but isn't it ironic? It actually in involves the removal of data when data, <laughs> you know, the presence of data 
was the thing that made Zwift such an interesting racing tool. Yeah, it is really interesting. I go to think about what, I mean, first of all, the first thing I thought about is what would happen in another game if all data was removed? And yeah, any, any game, you just have mm. pixels on the screen and you have no idea what's going on. And that actually, with some games, that is the draw sometimes is you don't know that's even like a feature they put into that game specifically is like you're just fighting and you don't know until you that whatever falls over in front of you that you're trying to push against or trying to fight or trying to kill or something but um and this actually happened to me as a either bug or was a feature i wasn't sure but i found myself in france racing and everybody was like do you guys got anything on screen and they're like no and so I just started attacking off the front and the, and the only thing you saw was chat and people were like, anybody know who's off the front? And I was like, oh, let's just leave him. I think he's the flyer. I responded like, that's no big deal. It's just a flyer, whatever. And then, and then they brought me back and they were like, that was you. What the heck? You know, so, but uh, I really, I really actually enjoyed it. Now the whole event though, had no data actually that was able to be seen besides the chat and, and the riding nearby weren't there and stuff. So uh, that made it really all about chasing avatars and not looking at numbers at all and having to respond to the avatar, which I found increased my ability to use my legs and the bike as a controller uh, or yeah. a mouse and keyboard the same way that I would when I'm interacting with another game yeah. where you kind of get a little bit more into your avatar's point of view rather than focusing so much on being a numbers junkie. So that helped with interactive interactivity. I think it'd be a great thing if you were able to remove the HUD for those who are training for eSports, because I try and train individuals all the time now that ask me, how do you do this well? And I say, well, here's the first thing. Use number three. Get used to being you know, number three for your point of view. Get first person. Try and understand where you're pedaling well and not well to really sit on someone's wheel. So I kind of like it. Now that's a long-winded way to say as a power-up where you just remove everybody's day and they just go blind. Because there's a lot of games actually that have that move where it's like called silence or a blind or a smoke effect. Like, and you don't know what's going on. It's like the greatest idea. What really, really cool idea. I like it a lot. And then people just have to race kind of blind like yeah, and yeah. chase avatars. And you actually bring out who knows how to control then too if you don't and, and really knows the game from a Pixel's point of view. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see it being highly attractive for a, a participant. Um, um, uh, it, it would certainly make racing more interesting to be a part of as a racer. But Shane, um, hell for a spectator. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think I think virtual racing struggles a little as a spectator sport anyway. But the one thing it does have going for it is oodles of data. So take that away. I'm not sure. Yeah, we need to know like distance to go because that really dictates how the race is unfolding because a race at 5K to go is a very different race than at 500 metres to go or at 50Ks to go. Uh, we need all that data on screen. But we also need it to be correct too. So uh, the removal of the HUD, it's an interesting one. I'd rather than work on improving the HUD though. For, for the mass of, of people. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of agree with that. Uh, Shane, one more from you. I thought Jordan was... Sort of honest. Uh, obviously, you, you know he's not going to spill the beans and dish the dirt uh, as he left Swift. I mean that that would that would you know that that would lack any grace at all. And and uh, you know I, I got n no sense that 
that he was motivated to do that. But he did say that Zwift was facing a number of technical challenges, largely, as we referred to earlier, because it's grown into something bigger in so many more areas than anybody could have predicted. Yeah, I think the words Jordan chose for that were the things we already knew anyway. We just haven't been told directly. Um, mm. I think a lot of the code base is probably based out of you know, what John wrote in his basement um, back in, was it 2011? Um, and now we're getting, was it 46,000 concurrent people, which I'll keep referring back to. It's just phenomenal. The amount, yeah. that amount of people online at any one time. And they're still finding bugs and little things that just pop up because having you know, 4,000 writers on is one thing. Having 40,000 is another. And you're going to find all these extra things that just would have never been taken into consideration with the original plan. Um, I th- it's pretty transparent what's going on. We're seeing you know, systems falling over, people having struggles, this and that taking place. Uh, Firefighting. Yeah, exactly. Constant firefighting is what it, it looks like. It was good to hear from someone who has been and on on, you know, on the the, uh, the front ranks, seeing that actually taking place, and some acknowledgement of that, I guess, which means, again, it's acknowledged as a problem, which then moves it forward. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this new hire is is going to be very, very significant. Okay, well, interesting to to hear. Probably for the last time on Swift Matters were from from Jordan, and uh, always 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 an opportunity, a departure, isn't it? As we discussed with uh, with event organisers earlier on, and uh, how people take that opportunity and what arises as a result of that opportunity is often quite interesting. Right. Well, Tour to Swift, the biggest annual event on Swift, is in full swing. I've completed two stages, and I do plan to ride the whole eight stages, actually. I really, really enjoy these events. Uh, me and about 11,000 million of my closest friend, uh, the, friends, this, this event is so popular. Uh, close to 120,000 took part last year in those blissful, carefree days when we weren't in the grip of a pandemic. Uh, we're not going to know for some weeks yet what the numbers will be on the 2021 edition, but they could easily be double. I mean, though, these events are just massive. Uh, special rookie rides led by experienced ride leaders are a new feature this year, and that fits with Zwift's whole approach this winter, which has been to tailor a lot of stuff to the noobs. I always enjoy these mass participation events, and I just think they're some of the best things that Zwift do. Um, Shane, in and among the racing, running, rowing, all that stuff, uh, this still, to me, is the very heart and soul of Zwift, riding in company with fellow cyclists from all over the world in a competitive environment, if that's where you want to make it, not if you don't. It just remains the core experience, I think. Yep, absolutely agree. It's huge, it's awesome, and you've got to remember, though, it's not a race. <laughs> until that time it counts down to zero and then it's on but look these events are so big there's always someone to ride with and the experience i had around richmond now guys we all all three of us remember richmond in vegas for the cvr world cup and and uh that that richmond course is not bad for a bit of a race but when you're over the first lap you're with a group of riders who can climb about the same as you yeah. And yep, right yep. about the same as you. So the next time over, it's going to hurt a hell of a lot more because you're going to have to drop riders who are about at your level. And that's what happened to me. It's, uh, yeah, stage two. Absolutely loved it. Every every moment of it. And the live streams I've been doing it have been um, attracting quite a few viewers. I think people want to see me suffer. But I keep saying to people, why is it that the events that I live stream where I can't talk 
I get more viewers. So I think people are trying to tell me something. I should just shut up and write. But, uh, heaps of fun. Absolutely looking forward to this. I think stage three kicked off a few minutes ago um, and that's halfway up Von Top, I think it is. Um, or there's the uh, Road to Sky. I mean, there's different options we can choose to do. So I missed out on the Innsbruck one though. I wanted to do the Innsbruck ride. But um, anyway, I'm, I've, I've got it all in my calendar. I'm doing it. I mean, it's heaps of fun. Live streaming it. Everyone loves it. It's great. Yep, I did uh, like you, um, but my ambitions were slightly different from yours. They were uh, not getting dropped up those second set of hills rather than trying to uh, to get my nose in front of competitors. But um, I really, really enjoyed that. And then I did actually, I did do the shorter, but much harder stage, which was the climb up Innsbruck, turned myself inside out of that climb uh, and realised that I really am not riding anywhere near enough at the moment. Uh, my numbers are not good. Not good. I need to try harder. Um, Nathan, breaking news. Um, they think they've found the bug. Well, how can we put this? They have acknowledged that there may be a bug which is um, affecting everybody, whether you're on a potato or a gaming machine, um, that uh, causes these problems in these big mass participation events. I mean, this is a really interesting development because we've talked about this time and time and time again. And we, like most people, have kind of laid the blame at the door of the potato for, <laughs> for degraded performance um, on uh, big events. So this is when this, like, 3,000 people in the pen and, every you know, stuff freezes. You go down to one frame per second. It's just a nightmare. Bikers, mm -hmm. riderless bikes, all that stuff. And we've always said potato. We've always said potato. But, but I think all three of us have always thought that it might not just be that. And, indeed, my suspicions increased when I was on my – it's not – the very, very, very best, but it's an extremely capable machine. And I had a terrible experience on Eric Min's Thanksgiving Day ride. Awful. Absolutely the worst I've ever had. Uh, it was just I got all the classic symptoms that people complain about and we say, oh, you're on a potato. So really interesting that actually they think that there is a bug and they think they fixed it. So is this time, Nathan, for you and I, mainly you actually, to apologize to potato owners. We're not letting the potato off the hook that easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a second. Because, because my uh, i9-5900K plus whatever I got here with a TI-1080, and this is old by right now standards. I need an upgrade. I need an upgrade. Yeah, this is almost potato for me. But anyways, the... Um, uh, when I joined the 16,000 person event, from what I'm understanding, to give some people some background, the bug ticks over the lower, the more of a potato you have based on how many riders there are. So my rig might need the mass of all riders who are on Zwift to be in one event. So 43,000, let's say, or whatever it might be at Peaks Rift Time. And I might get it ticked on what could then somehow Zwift would be able to make my PC a potato. So Zwift is making. The PC's potatoes essentially is what's happening at certain at certain tickover rates, right? So you get us like whatever. It's kind of like 
you you know the the less potato you have the more you can handle for riders for that tick over of suddenly that's all going to go wacky so you know and i was really surprised i saw a couple of streamers who have i know pretty high on rigs when they got into these you know they were at that certain tick over rate where it was like this is just too many and it ended up being too much i think it'll probably be a graphics card issue is what i'm assuming because it's writing a certain number of riders somehow that it's just too much in that area and so what ends up happening is like i have a feeling they have to write something in to be able to handle that number of riders at different um writing rates that these graphic cards have i might be wrong about that but i have a feeling that's why the higher level graphic cards may be coupled with how that goes over to the because uh, some of these some of these do thread some of that together with the, the um with the cpu but um then raises how many zwifters essentially you can have in your event before you just have a sludge of pixels on your screen that don't move. But anyways, I'm not letting the potatoes off because, because, because it still is, it's still related to whether or not you have a potato. So, well, yeah, but Shane, it's not, you know, the potatoes are slightly off the hook, I think, because, you know, there is acknowledgement now that, you know, yes, there is something in the game that, that is causing this issue or, or thought to be. I've been live streaming mine after seeing Pritchard's potato go completely mashed um, and having, I mean, that gets views. So I, that's why I was lined up on, at the start line of those big events, hoping my computer would be peeled, a peeled potato. It was fine. Um, <laughs> I am running at an RTX 2060 though, just for a bit of geekery in the background Ooh. there. Um, so it, it's uh, quite powerful for what it is. I've got a hundred big internet connection here, so it's not lag or anything like that. Although I am in Australia. Um, mine's been absolutely fine. However, yeah, the information, that came to light in recent hours indicates that I could have had a uh, potential potato incident, <laughs> which uh, would have been terrible. Would have been terrible. That would have put us back in our box. But yeah, I, I think look, let, let's let's let these spuds off just a little bit. Um, but once that bug's fixed, we're going to go hard on potatoes again. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, there'll be no excuse. No, no there will be no no <laughs> excuse for potato ownership. I actually was a little surprised by how many reports though of this. Like all of a sudden, it was more and more and more. I was like, okay, something actually is wrong i didn't i actually didn't think it was just on the uh devices out there with how many reports were coming through as soon as the tour to oz but it's it just the, the sheer numbers in these events obviously have, have brought this to the surface yeah yeah well it had never happened to me before and, and as i said i had a full-on potato experience on <laughs> eric min's thanksgiving ride and i don't have a potato so uh, but anyway little did you know little did you know simon (laughs) (laughs) little did you know it was nothing but russets in your in your office so (laughs) maris pipers maris pipers everywhere um uh yeah okay but that's good i mean that's good actually it's really good that, that they've acknowledged and are putting a fix in for this bug and you can always tell when they're terribly pleased about something because Eric Min starts turning into a technical service operative and answering individual questions, <laughs> which he's been doing about this fix. So um, I think they're quite pleased with this. And certainly if it works, it will be fantastic. Okay, let's move on to another drama, Zwift Power. Um well, this has been on the list for us to discuss for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, actually. The consequences of the takeover of Zwift Power by Zwift, um, you know, we've been meaning to get around to it. 
But now, finally, actually, it has seemed the right time to do it. Ever since the race results service was taken in-house and away from the community pioneers, Glenn Knight and James Hodge, with their full agreement, please note, it has been a bit of a bumpy ride. There have been service interruptions, and over the Christmas period, an enormous queue of unprocessed files built up, meaning racers were having to wait a week or more to have results confirmed. Not ideal. Uh, It must be said this backlog has now been cleared, and it was cleared very quickly. But questions do remain, so an opportune moment to talk to Glenn and try to get the full picture. Let's kick off with some history. Zwift Power was a community resource developed by three Zwifters, run by two of them, Glenn and James, to support racing on the platform at a time when racing was simply not a priority for the company. Then, towards the end of 2020, Zwift brought the service in-house. Let, let's just get this straight from the horse's mouth. You know, why did Zwift take it over? How happy were you about it? And what were the circumstances? They wanted to control the whole racing ecosystem, which is understandable. You know, They were in a position where they had a third-party site that was producing results for them that were, if you like, the gold standard within the community. Uh, and looking at you know the, the, their vision for the future with regards to um, you know UCI, the ASO, and all the rest of it, they needed to own that process to to get better integration. The the system needed to be on the Swift infrastructure. One therefore assumes you were you were happy that it happened. It, it happened with your consent and blessing. Yes, it did. And we, you know, we entered an agreement with, with Zwift uh, to provide uh, ongoing support. We were then tasked with making sure that the, the, the system continued to run whilst they worked out how they were going to do the migration and, at what, and what the, how that was going to look. We did, yeah, we, we consented to it uh, and we were happy to play that part. I, I wouldn't say I was overly pleased that you know, it was going you know, it's like a child, isn't it? You know, you, you, you bring it up, you develop it, you, it becomes part of you. So you were, you, you understood the reasons you were, you were happy with qualifications, which I think you've just explained very well for it to be handed over. There was a roadmap, all of that stuff. Now, again, this is a slightly awkward question, but again, I think it's really important that the community hears it from, from your lips. What was there a financial arrangement? Yes, there was. They paid James and I, uh, to continue providing support. They also helped with the costs of hosting uh, and all the, all the you know, rigmarole around that process. So that there was a financial element to it. Uh, we've never kept that secret. Um, it's just not something that we've shouted about in public forums because, as you know, Simon, that's not something that James and I have done in, in all of our tenure. Um, it's not really our thing. So, but yes, there was a financial element to the agreement that we had with Swift. With Swift, to be honest, I think you would you would look have to look very very hard to find anybody in the Swift community who, who thought that was unfair. But again, just to finally hammer home this point so that people hear it directly from you. Uh, Zwift taking over Zwift Power did not make you a millionaire. Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, but then I don't think either of us would have wanted that anyway. So far, so good. One would think. However, the 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 the, the custodian, the new custodians of Zwift Power, um, have had somewhat of a bumpy ride. Um, it, it, the service has been up and down. There have been interruptions. Uh, and it's culminated in, in in what really can only be described as 
as a meltdown. And what what I think would be really useful, Glenn, is to get your take on, I mean, why do you think that's happened? Swift Power was developed five years ago. And the reason it was produced was to try and produce a results service for KISS and for, at the time, ZTR, who, who, who no longer exist. We had such good success with some of the features that we'd created uh, we couldn't keep it to ourselves and we then made it available to other race organizers the problem being is that it was only ever developed for just those two teams to be using it on an ad hoc kind of basis we didn't we never anticipated the success it was then very difficult to go back and redo things in a way that you would have done it if it was going to be a mass you know mass use product Zwift Power grew like Topsy. Under Glenn and James' tenure, it quickly grew to 30,000 users. By the time it became a Zwift property, it had blossomed to more than 200,000 registered users. The huge success of the Zwift Promoter WTRL race series provided another dose of fertiliser. And now, stand by for some tech talk. You then take something that's designed to run on a physical host, so physical servers running single-threaded architecture, and then you're then moving that into a cloud system. And that's where you think where, where things start to, to go to become problematic because it was never designed to be hosted in that way. Um, and I think that's I think that probably sums up the the issues that the the dev team are coming up against now is that you know that it was never designed to be run the way it's being run now and without doing a complete rewrite um it was never going to work particularly well in the cloud environment hmm. i mean answer this honestly glenn do you think that they have used the expertise that resides in you and james sufficiently to enable the smoothest possible hangover. The, the discussions about how the process was going to happen completely changed from the roadmap that we'd put in place. You know, we were asked to give admin rights to to the server, which we did, and that was that was it. Then they they communicate with us when they came across a problem, um, but there was never any real discussion about how things run or what's what what the processes are or or anything like that so no is is a simple answer and and actually i reached out to them a couple of days ago and said look if there's anything we can do to help please let us know and the response was uh, i haven't had one yet okay well they must have their reasons for that we don't know what they are but but they must exist um so we're now in a position um as we speak actually it is an improving position but not without again some bumps in the roads but we have had a position where we've had up to 200,000 files waiting to be processed uh, and what files waiting to be processed means is that people can't get the results of the races which makes doing the race um, somewhat less than rewarding I think, and you've given us a very detailed and very useful technical explanation with some additional context, but I'm, I'm just going to ask you this question that the community is asking, uh, Glenn, and it's, <laughs> you know, it's a pretty pertinent question. How have we got to a position when basically two blokes in their bedroom slash garage could provide a seamless service that was hardly ever down and did exactly what it said on the tin and that service has been taken over by a company valued at a billion dollars with 360-odd employees, and there's been nothing but trouble. Uh, there's, there's two answers to this. 
Um, one is Zwift have their processes. They have to follow those processes. It's not, whereas James and I were able to um, identify and resolve a fix relatively quickly, Zwift understandably have got a process of um, testing before it goes into production. That, you know, depending on what the problem is, that testing process can take a week. Um, it can it could take two weeks. You, you just don't know because you need to make sure that every other process that relies on that, that process that you're changing isn't affected adversely by the change. You could be much more fleet of foot because you were two blokes in your bedrooms and what you did did not necessarily affect eight other things uh, rippling down the line in 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 a in a bigger system, uh, you know. Yeah, I think that's a good explanation, and 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 cuts with some slack. You know, there is, you know, there's obviously some some validity in that. The the, the second reason. So the second reason is it, it was our baby. Um, you know, we've we've grown with the community. Both James and I have been around not quite as long as you, Simon, but we've both been around since the Jarvis days. Um, so, um, so we've been part of the community for a long time and we care about the community. We care about what we've, um, what we've built and we care about what we've done. And then no disrespect to the developers from Zwift at all, but they may not necessarily have that. They don't have that. Um, well, I'm going to jump in there. A stronger emotional investment, I think is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I do think that is absolutely fascinating. And, and you know, clearly Zwift have not done this deliberately. And as you say, you know, it, it, trying to fix one problem, they've got to be mindful that it might not create 20 others. But in conclusion, Glenn, are you, are you surprised that, that there have been this many quite serious issues? Um, if, I, if I'm honest, I would say no, because like I said at the beginning, the system was never developed to be taken on in the way that it has been. Um, and that's no disrespect to James at all uh, from a coding perspective. But, you know, he's, he's one person that's worked on that for a long time. Um, and he, he, will, he will himself admit that it just was not designed to, to, to run the way that they're running it. Um, and so I'm not surprised. Uh, that there, there they've been so many problems. I think I, I, I'm disappointed because it's certainly not the legacy that I wanted to leave behind with Swift Power, um, and, and James will feel the same. Um, but I'm also disappointed that nobody has reached out and just said, "Look, guys, can you help?" Could this have been avoided had they made more use of your knowledge, expertise, and offers to assist? yeah that is a, a question i just don't know the answer to because you know e either way um you just can't you can't predict what will happen when you've got twenty thousand people or doing it at the same time or twenty thousand people doing it whilst you've got the wtrl premier league going on um so yeah i think that would probably be a bit of a harsh comment yeah yeah, well, you know, that's a very fully rounded and, and, and well thought through position of yours. You know, it would be very easy, uh, lots of people might think, to, to be Glenn Knight and, and sitting there and thinking, oh, I told them, told them so. But, you, you know, you've not said that. And, that, and that's all credit to you, really. The, uh, Glenn, that's been a very thoughtful uh, and really useful and very insightful 
interview actually and i hope it helps people to realize uh what what's gone on here um pretty good view from not quite the inside but i think about as adjacent to the inside as we can get at the moment on uh, on swift power thanks very much indeed glenn and one more time thanks very much for everything you've done to the, for the community over the years yeah thanks simon thanks for having me on and you know the, the community will always be part of me and james and um you know we we don't want to see these things happening so um we'll do what we can to help but we need to be asked you know these things are never quite as simple as they appear but it's reasonably safe ground i think to say that the last few weeks on swift power have not been among swift's finest moments to be honest um and that question shane that was the killer one wasn't it the one that goes if two blokes in their spare bedrooms can keep it online reliable and fast then how come a billion-dollar valued company with almost 400 employees can't? Hmm. Now, the child analogy that Glenn used was a good one. Uh, Zwift Power was a baby born from two Zwift enthusiasts. They took it from nothing to the service that we know it. They made it. They raised it. They kept it running very well because they knew it inside and out. And then Zwift came along and adopted this new child from Glenn and James. So it has new parents now. So sure, Zwift is a billion-dollar company, but at the end of the day, the new parents – uh, this child, they're still humans as well, and humans who didn't raise the child. So when this child shits the bed, it's going to be a learning process for whoever has been tasked now with running the service. But I think it's more of a bigger picture thing here. If, if Zwift Power is such a core service offering for Zwift and it's falling over, and it requires, as per my last check, a 14-step process to link your Zwift account to a Zwift service, mm. it's too hard. It needs a rethink, and I think it needs a rethink very quickly. And we're back to the age-old problem and a bit of a theme of this of this episode, really, Nathan. I mean, Glenn acknowledged that this is not the right tool for the job it's been asked to do at the moment. And, and he's talking about his baby. You know, he acknowledged that the code basically needs a full rewrite. But how do you rewrite the code when you've got WTRL, the, probably the most successful thing that Zwift has ever done in the racing arena, and you've got 46,000 concurrent people on the platform i mean you know that is not the right time to rewrite the code for swift power is it so d do we have some sympathy for swift here i definitely yeah and, and being a little bit privy to some things that are happening i mean it is it, it makes things really difficult right like we sit and broadcast sometimes well Head on over to Zwift Power. Oh, no, wait. Go to WTRL. No, wait. Well, everything, we won't have results for you until maybe we're not going to have results today, but head on, you know, and we just, we got, a, we have a lot of, um, as Shane might say, waffling. We waffle on for quite a while um, sometimes to try and wait on things. But, you know, um, there is some sympathy, though, there as well. Uh, you know, you know, pushing off a little bit off of us on commentary because we're just live on camera, like looking, you know, deer in the headlights, like, well, we're waiting for things. But at the same time, there is that reality that uh, this was just made to do much smaller tasks. Um, you know, European time during peak Zwift time is always when it's slowing down, when there's tons of events on. Um so I think the same thing that I said about Zwift 2.0 or a full rewrite on the yeah. original Zwift that put everything on hold, let it do what it's doing and just keep it functioning so that things don't burn down and then have a completely new thing based on the data, based on those who are right. You know, and essentially what, you know, if we, if we take that analogy over from what Zwift is as a product right now as a game, 
the data is the riders, right? And so you just let the riders do what they're doing, do what they're doing, do what we're doing. And then eventually one day Zip 2.0 launches and it's a cold new rewrite and the data is still just coming in from the riders. Well, it's the same thing. Let the data sit, do what it's doing, do what it's doing, do what it's doing. And that API or whatever it is you're going to be using that is based on that data, that's the only thing that will probably remain consistent about the upfront coding of whatever Zwift power might be in the future if I were going to do something. You know, like it's going to need – because from what Glenn said, it wasn't – made at all for the kind of processes yeah, that's right. it's like a completely yeah. different code language it sounds yeah. like like how do you write rewrite something for a totally different code language you got to go back to the raw data which is a big undertaking i think though there's a lot that's going on that you can see look at what's happening on Swift power and say how do we replicate that and you know how you replicate that in the new code. Now just go do it. So that makes things pretty easy though, in that sense of like, what do people want? Well, we can see what people want at least. And we can just make that over here where it's not as much of a creative process. If that makes sense, the creative process of more beyond the look and feel and UI than anything else I would think. Hmm. It's interesting, Shane, isn't it? I mean, just from the content of this podcast alone. So like, you know, Huge numbers of people on Swift, huge numbers of people uh, doing an event, which we think has got a bug in it, which supports experience for some people. Huge numbers of people wanting to do events, but events are not really working, so the event organizers are stopping off in a half. Um, you, you know, the, the, the more you look at the problems facing Swift, all of which, of course, are kind of great problems. They're kind of all associated with 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 explosive growth. But the more you look at at that, even just taking this podcast as a snapshot, the more compelling the case becomes for Zwift 2.0. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And looping back to what Jordan said about the architectural issues they're facing, about uh, it's a square peg in a round hole. Um, yeah, I, I think it's time for them to really have a look at this. And it's the conversation or it's the ideas that need to be thrown around right now to be implemented in two years' time, because this is not something that happens overnight. So I think if Swift themselves aren't doing it, I think the investors might be looking at, well, you know, we're hearing all these rumblings and they are very loud rumblings from the community, which has quite a large voice uh, to get these things fixed or improved. Uh, There's just a lot of things that people are are grumbling about. Um, And yeah, Swift Power being one of them for sure. But um, look, let's see, I'm positive. Um, Again, they've got the money to do that. And as you said, there's a new hire coming along. So it could be turning a corner. Yeah, yeah. Interesting question of timing, of course, is if there is an IPO on the near horizon, do you want mm-hmm. to be completely changing your products when you're just about to launch it onto public markets? Well, two arguments there. No, let's put it off and wait for the new owners to deal with that. Or two, no, completely the opposite. We need to be absolutely fighting fit if we're going to launch this as a public company. So that, that's very, very, very interesting, if, if indeed you know, any of this is is actually happening. As usual, we are merely speculating. But, um, but yeah, Swift 2.0, the arguments grow, I think, in favour. Okay, well, another one has flown by. Uh, this will end up, I think, being another quite lengthy podcast, because, as usual, we've got lots to discuss, but I can't let you go without an opportunity just to find out what, uh, what else might be happening in your lives. Uh, Shane... Mm, 
what's your top video on YouTube right now? Oh, top video on YouTube right now. Let me have a look. I know one that did really well at the start of the year was these new roads on Zwift. It's only four kilometers of roads, but around 92,000 views of that one. And uh, another one about Zwift speeds. You know, what's, what kind of speed would you get on a bike and distance? Uh, if you join C Cadence, what was it? Was it Coco? Was it Car? Yeah. Right. It's been, it's, it's been 52 <laughs> minutes since we spoke about that. She uh, will forever be Coco. Coco Cadence. So I've got a video on what speed would you get if you ride with the bunch? And then what speed would you get if you ride completely in isolation on the same course at the same average power? Some really interesting data coming up there. Hot tip, join the bunch. You'll XP up, level, you'll level up your XPs a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. Life is always more comfortable in the bosom of the bunch, I find. Um, Nathan, I assume, again, every waking hour is taken up for you by the behemoth that is WTRL. Yeah, the Zwift Racing League, I had like a 24-hour day yesterday, pretty much. Um, it's little sleep here, there, and then come back to it because we broadcast APAC EMEA, so um, as well as America's East and West. Uh, and then I get my ride in still. One of the main things that I'm also focusing on is definitely racing as well, which has been really nice um and a lot personally, of fun personally um, you mean you, yeah, you, you yeah, are, yeah 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 like one of my in... big streams actually was the kiss 200 we did we did i did that 200 kilometer i saw the the other that. that was epic that was a long day in the saddle nathan Epic. That's Thank actually that. been almost like a weekly thing now. Is the Kiss 100, and they've been expanding the distance every week. So now you we did like 200, a 270 watts for that. So at your weight, that's yeah, that's steaming. Yeah, 4.0, 4.0ish, I think, or so. Like maybe a little less. So wow. yeah, we're uh, we're going we're going pretty good. I actually so uh, one of the cool things I mentioned earlier in the. Uh, episode here was that uh, Kate Bates and Anna Russell are a team uh, that are, well, Kate also joins Dave on ZCL now as well for America's West and the ZRL, but it's been really great to start building out the talent pool and watching their personalities uh, do some, you know, um, uh, experiment and and it just have a lot of fun have a lot of fun with like the audience too and we're getting a lot of feedback on the broadening out of that and then but uh kate mentioned at the end of uh, america's west when we were on our debrief that they're doing the tour to oz with matthew keenan her and matthew keenan this weekend and uh we offered up that i was going to jump on camera with them so it looks like i'm going to be on the zwift live racing now uh, I think uh, in in the hot seat next to Trekkie and a few others of the elites that are racing into Tour de Oz this weekend. So oh, cool. Um, okay. yeah, having some fun. I also had this like secret invite about something about season three and Nathan looks strong. So I don't know. We'll see what, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see what, we'll see if something happens there. That's, that's like, that, maybe I spilled too many beans there, but that's very much conjecture. There is nothing official at all but i got my sights maybe on something else than season three than the usual we'll see uh, nathan's turning pro everybody nathan is turning pro. <laughs> <laughs> clearly what clearly. for a second time oh gosh here we go <laughs> clearly at 39 what? but i guess holden holden's 42 he just started live streaming and that's another goal right now that i kind of have i don't know if anybody saw the instagram but i'm kind of starting to get back into the community promotion space of the streams it's really growing 50 to 100 live streams on Twitch sometimes of Zwift. I remember five years ago, I was the only one, and John Mayfield was in there like, dude, you're streaming my game? Whoa. Like, <laughs> you know, like, so 
it's it's really at this point i think where we have enough that we have a tipping point a little bit which is really cool to see so um you know it's and it's a another world you know all of these moms at home who are racing at a very high level we've got i mean the, the you know people who have full-time careers that uh masters age a lot of community against youngster i mean it's really interesting how that's playing out and uh cool to see all the opportunity that's creating in spaces we have never ever seen before and i don't think would have been nearly as possible too so that's also obviously on my radar all the time yeah yeah i bet it's never too late to do anything nathan never Never to do anything. Um, I've just realised, actually, Shane, as you mentioned them, um, it, it kind of fell between the, the, the gap between podcasts. We've not really discussed the new roads. Um, very pretty, that little section, that new little section in, in Watopia. Not, with not the one the with the seals on the rock? Yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah, smell. Yeah. They smell. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and you see, have you seen seals in real life? They stink. I don't know what they're doing with the seals. Um, but I, I do love the new roads because, I mean, they're only short, and a lot of people were saying, oh, there's only four kilometers of roads. Um, but the opportunity to loop back around and catch a bunch, if you get dropped, you can actually yeah. do that with a few, if you know where you're going. Um, and that other, uh, the one that, the road that links the two epic comms and the reverse epic comms. Um, always go from the epic com to the reverse epic com. It's a little downhill. So you get sort of free Ks if you're going that way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, really nice. It just adds to Watopia. And one thing we don't realize, a lot of people don't really acknowledge is once a new road is on Zwift, it's there forever. So that can be part yeah. of either the new race series. I'm, I'm keen to see a few races take in those new roads. Um, and if we ever get a route builder or something like that, or you can just be a little more creative. If you want to head over to, say, the jungle, again, you can sh shortcut to another road. Um, but, uh, yeah, linking the two bridges is nice too. Yeah, yeah, very pretty. Lovely artwork on them, actually. Mm. Really lovely artwork on them. I'm, I've enjoyed writing them. And judging by my performance in uh, Tour de Swift, I need to start riding a bit more, which is what I'm going to be doing. New year, new start. I might even register for the trombone. Um, boys, <laughs> thank you very much indeed. Thank you uh, once again. Uh, we start a new year with a new episode. Always nice. Um, new year, same old rubbish, eh? <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much, boys. Talk to no, you next right. time. Thanks, Get guys. Some Get some sleep, Nathan. Thanks a lot. See you guys. You know this by now, but I'll say it again. We're very grateful to the support we receive from Swift to help make the podcast. But it's us that decides what goes into the Swiftcast, not Swift. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>